Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Hey, we're Aaron and Jennifer Smith with Marriage After God. Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. And today we're going to inspire you with some unlikely people from the Bible. Welcome to the Marriage After God podcast, where we believe that marriage was meant for more than just happily ever after. I'm Jennifer, also known as Unveiled Wife. And I'm Aaron, also known as Husband Revolution. We have been married for over 13 years. And so far, we have five children under eight. We have been doing marriage ministry online for over nine years through blogging, social media, and writing over 10 books. With a desire to inspire couples to keep God at the center of their marriage, encouraging them to walk in faith every day. We believe the Christian marriage should be an extraordinary one, full of life, love, and power that can only be found by chasing after God together. Thank you for joining us in this journey as we chase boldly after God's will for our life together. This is Marriage After God. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to another episode of Marriage After God. We are so uh, just thankful and excited that you guys are here uh, joining us. And um, when Aaron and I were talking about kicking off this episode, we just felt like the Lord wanted us to pray for you. So before we start anything, um, we just we just wanted to cover you guys in prayer and, and lift you up before the Lord today. So Aaron, would you pray for us? Father, I just thank you so much for all those that are listening right now. And I pray for them, Father. I don't know uh, their personal situation. I don't know the things that they've been going through. If they've been going through trials or hardships, Father God, I pray that, Lord, you would be their peace. I pray that you would be with them right now that you would speak your truth to them. I pray that they would be running to you in this time and in this season more than they ever have, Father God, that they wouldn't look at the world and the chaos, but they would look at you and find peace in you alone, Lord. And I pray that uh, we as believers, Father God, would stand strong together, that we would walk in unity, that we would walk in your word and in truth. And I pray, Father, that we would uh, stand strong in your spirit, Lord. I pray for these these, uh, husbands and wives that are listening today. Uh, that you, God, would just bless them, pour your spirit into their home, draw them closer to you than ever before, draw them closer to each other, that they would stand so strong together. And Father, that uh, they would just know and trust your plan for their life, Lord. We love you. We thank you for these listeners. And in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, yeah, on top of that, uh, we love you, of course, and we are praying for you. Uh, But we also wanted to encourage you, because I know that... um, restaurants are opening back up and uh, people are probably thinking about date nights again, hopefully. (laughs) And uh, if you are, we have this awesome free resource for you called Date Night Conversation Starters. It's 52 conversation starters that you can download and print out. And you can actually use these conversation starters to 
help start a conversation on your next date night. Uh, there's re- the reason there's 52 is so that uh, it encourages you to try and have a date a week. And if you can't go out, do it in your bed, do it in uh, the, you know, during dinner, you can do it when you're going for a walk, uh, have these conversations. And the point of these conversation starters is to uh, draw you to another, a deeper level with each other of talking about what God's plan is for your marriage, what, what maybe what gifts he's given you and how he wants to use your marriage to build his kingdom. And so that's completely free and you can get it at datenightconversations.com, datenightconversations.com, all one word. And you just fill out a little form, completely free. And uh, that's a little gift for you guys. So speaking of conversations, Aaron and I thought it would be really cool to um, have a conversation today about people, unlikely people in the Bible who have inspired us. And we hope that it inspires you guys, uh, the content that we have. But also, I hope that the way that we communicate you know, throughout this episode today inspires you and your spouse to be having conversations like this about the Bible, because it's what we're talking about today. It's not like this big theology debate. It's Mm -hmm. just characters and stories and testimonies that took place that, you know, is recorded in the scripture. And then we dialogue about it and we say, how can we glean from this? Because there's a lot to glean in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Right, Aaron? Yeah. And and we, we want to encourage you to do the same, to have this kind of way of being, we, you know, we don't, it's not like we talk 24 seven about this stuff, but things come up and Jennifer, you'd be like, Hey, I just read this thing and it was so interesting. What do you think about this? Or I'll talk about this unique thing that I just saw and never saw it before. And, and it just, it it opens up this uh, relationship Mm -hmm. with the word of God and your marriage where it's safe and it's comfortable and it's exciting to talk about the Bible. And you learn from each other. Yeah. And the point's not always to be like, Hey, look at this thing I learned. It's like, Hey, here's this thing I found. Yeah. Cause that's really what the Bible's about is like, we we're finding, uh, treasure. Yeah. Who (laughs) God is. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to share some of those treasures that we've found, uh, from some unlikely places. They're like not the main characters of the stories, Mm -hmm. uh, but they're, they're, you know, not any less important. Uh, you know, and uh, I saw a meme the other day, Jennifer, that said, uh, um, the Bible is the only book that you can never finish reading. <laughs> right. And it said, every time you come back to, you find something new. Cause when you think about normal books, like it's got a beginning and an end, it's got the, you know, there's a good storyline. Um, it might be something to reference, but usually like, like it's a once and done. I know there's some people out there that love reading books over and over again, but <laughs> the Bible, it's not like that you finish it. Like you, you it's, it's, you can't finish it. I think everyone else is doing what I'm doing right now. I'm just shaking my head. Yes, because that's what I've experienced. So Mm -hmm. every time I've opened up the Bible and I've read things over and over and over again, you do gain Mm -hmm. new things. You uncover new things. Well, then you read and you're like, I don't remember reading this at all. You're (laughs) like, where was this at? Uh, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So it's a, it's alive. Yeah. The word of God's, it's not a dead book. It's not a, it's not just words on a page. It's a living document. And what that means is it, it's actually the words of God mm-hmm. and the same words that God used to create the world. God used to create his word, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so the more we read it, the more we love it, the more we know it, the more we are changed, the more we are transformed, the more we are new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, our encouragement is just like, let's, 
let's love the Bible mm-hmm. because it's the, it's God's it's God's way of showing His character to us. It's it's our way of discovering who He is and knowing Him better and being and it transforms us. It makes us actually new people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another quote. I, this isn't the exact quote, but I originally got it in a book called uh, um, "The Bible uh, in English." And it, was ta- it just talks about the word of God in oh English. the word of God in English. Thanks, babe. The word of God in English, uh, and it's a book about the Bible being translated into English. It's actually a really incredible book. Um, this quote isn't the exact one, but it's very similar. This is by St. Jerome. It says, The scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning, and deep enough for a theologian to swim in without ever touching the bottom. Mm. And you see this, actually. You can, you, can, you can read right on the surface of the pages, and then you can dive down all the way to, you know, it's, it's, you can't even get to the bottom of it. I think I, I've seen that quote too, but they used the analogy of a lamb trotting through a brook and an elephant swimming in the yeah, depths of an ocean. That's more like the, the quote from my book, yeah. uh, but I couldn't find the exact that's one. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so good. I think people but, get the picture. But that, and that's exactly what the word of God is. I mean, it's a spiritual document mm-hmm. and think about it. We're like fleshly creatures trying to, you know, scratch the surface of who God is mm-hmm. and he's given us his word. So, um, I don't know the idea of what we're talking about today is we're pulling out these like kind of like small little stories from the Bible and showing the immense power that's in them. Um, and so when the Bible says something, it's for a heavenly reason, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when someone is mentioned, when a detail is given, when a specific word is used, it's for a reason. And if, if we can put that in our minds and think like, oh, I wonder why it says that. Uh, you know, if you, you're like me, I love, we love watching movies. And I can point out like, oh, see how it emphasized that one thing right there? That's yeah. probably because there's something that has to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, so we're going to talk about a couple of people and some of those details. Um, and we hope you enjoy this. Just be a fun little conversation. Awesome. Well, let's dig in. Um, so Aaron, why don't you start with the uh, first person in the Bible that ha- like stood out to you re- more recently? Yeah, I, I, did, I, I did a little teaching on Colossians 1. Um, uh the first portion of it, the first eight verses. And, and in it, Paul mentions a man named Epaphras. And he's only, I believe, mentioned a handful of times, maybe th- three times in the Bible. And that's not a lot of times, but the fact that he's mentioned in the Bible is pretty incredible because like, how awesome would it be if your name was like written in the word of God? Yeah. <laughs> like there's a reason he's in here. I wish Jennifer was. Yeah. I wish it was. <laughs> uh, but here's, here's what's awesome is our names get to be in the book of life. Yeah. Which is yeah, way more important. <laughs> uh, so if you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your name's in that book and that's the book I want to be in. <laughs> um, but Hey, Ep- Epaphras is in this book and this, his name's also in the book of life. Um, and you'll see that. Raise so, your hand if you remember Epaphras. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's, <laughs> you oh you okay uh that's funny well because like when we're reading and we're either either talking about scripture or what you hear words like paul and you're like yeah paul yeah, peter jesus yeah, and peter, peter and james and okay, john but you just don't hear epaphras a lot and i can't yeah. barely say his name so epaphras okay yeah uh but here's what colossians 1 7 through 8 says it says just as you learned it from epaphras our beloved fellow servant he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so uh, what I thought was awesome about this is, first of all, that is a an amazing couple of sentences mm-hmm. to be said about someone. Uh, so, would it, I mean, I, f- I feel like, wouldn't it be awesome if someone was able to say this yeah. about us? Yeah. Like, hey, he's a, man, he's a beloved. 
He's a fellow servant. Oh, he is a faithful minister on, on your behalf. Right. Not even for himself. Yeah. Like, this is for you. Yeah. That, that, those are like the, the, all the words used about this man are like just beautiful. So mm-hmm. without ever meeting Epaphras, I love this guy. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I want to be like this guy. And there's a few things that I, that stood out to me in in the handful of verses that talk about this man. Um, first, uh, and I think most importantly, he preached the gospel because the reason this church in Colossae existed was because Epaphras preached the gospel and the church was created mm. in Colossae. Powerful. Yeah. Like what a legacy, right? Yeah. He's, he planted one of these, you know, powerful churches from, it wasn't Paul, it wasn't anyone else. It was Epaphras mm. because he preached the gospel. He was, he was bold enough to open his mouth and speak the truth about Jesus Christ to these people. I just think that's awesome. Um, are we preaching the gospel, you know, with our lives, with our gifts, with our neighbors? Um, well, what I, I love at the end of this verse, it says, mm-hmm. um, has made known to us your love in the spirit. And like, you have to be intentional to have a testimony like that. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to show love to others and, and, and to preach the gospel. You have to truly mm-hmm. care enough to do that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that this guy, I mean, this man loved those people. He, he loved them so much that he even like showed and explained their love mm-hmm. to Paul, mm-hmm. which made Paul, Paul's like, I want to write a letter to these, this church. Yeah. I want to encourage these brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, the next thing we see about this man from such a few verses is that he's a beloved fellow servant. Uh, he's loved not only by Paul, but by all the believers that he ministered to. Mm. Uh, that's another, like, should be a check for us, like a challenge to us, like to all the people that know us, that we, we minister to or serve, do they love us? Mm-hmm. Well, it says a lot <laughs> about his reputation. Yeah, this, this is what I'm getting at. Yeah, reputation, that's yeah. a good word. Yeah. Um, now, of course, we're gonna. I'm sure he had people that were bothered by him at some point, but it doesn't say anything about that. It mm-hmm. says that he's a, a beloved fellow servant. He, the the believers that he served, first of all, he uses the word servant. So he was a servant to them. You can only serve by action, right? So yeah. like he's doing stuff for others. Yeah, and he was an example to them, and he was beloved because of it. Um, and he he was loved by those he served, and and so are we beloved fellow servants of Christ? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean we can make everyone love us, but when we serve people, when we love people, do they know it? And that's what I, I personally, don't you want that, baby? I do. Like people I do. to see that in us. So another thing, uh, it says he's a faithful minister of Christ on their behalf. So for them and not for himself. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like we might do things for our own, our own interests, even ministry even. Like that's something that we should always be aware of like am i doing this like for my own name my own for my fame? own game yeah yeah like because it because there's a lot of things we can we can do for ourselves and it doesn't mean it's bad to have interests and it says to look to not only your own interests but also to the interest of others right. uh, but he was a faithful minister on their behalf he served them preached to them taught them encouraged them loved them for their sake I like that word faithful too, because it shows longevity. It's like this guy didn't just go and and book it a couple weeks later. Like he was faithful, mm-hmm. which means he remained and he stayed and he endured alongside them. He was faithful. And I, I want to be that. Yeah. I don't want to be someone that's flaky. You know, like we've all known someone that's come and gone. Mm-hmm. And like, you're like, and you don't know where you're at with them. You're like, mm-hmm. who is that? Who, what was that about? 
but we can be faithful. And, uh, and I think that's something to strive for. Like, how can I be, how can I remain faithful with my relationships with, with my people I fellowship with? But more importantly, faithful to God, right? Mm -hmm. Like not being flaky with your relationship with God. Yeah. Well, it says he was a faithful minister of Christ. Right. But not checking in and out as a man in your relationship with God. Like you, like this guy was faithful to him first and foremost. I love that. Yeah. Um, a few more things. It says, uh, he made known the love of others. Uh, so what, like how well do we speak of others? This man spoke of their love in the spirit to Paul. Like it doesn't like they're not sitting there. They were sitting in prison together. And I, I would imagine he's sitting there saying, Oh, and these believers, man, like they were like changing the city and like, Oh man, they were going on and loving people and they were like hugging people and encouraging people and preaching the gospel. And like the, the kinds of words he was using about these people, it probably wasn't, yeah, they were kind of annoying and like, yeah, there was this one guy that really bothered me and like, no, he, he talked of the, their love. <laughs> That's really cool. I was just sitting here thinking like, um, in a, in a marriage relationship. So like in our relationship, how do I speak of you to others? Mm-hmm. Am I making known the good, the positive, the, mm-hmm. um, the righteous, or am I complaining and being negative? Like that you can break this down to even just the smallest of mm-hmm. <laughs> relationship. And when I was thinking about this, like he wasn't, he wasn't proclaiming their weaknesses and shortcomings, which we all have. Sure. He was proclaiming who they are in Christ and who they are striving to be in the spirit and who they are, are walking in as the, as new creations. And so are we doing that for others, other believers? Yeah. You know, even if that, that brother or sister wronged us somehow, Mm. do we speak well of them or do we tear them down when we're around people? Epaphras spoke well of them. And you know what that does? It produces unity. It 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 stimulates unity. It creates mm-hmm. unity. Um, especially well, insecurity. In the, yeah. Like, it makes you feel safe around people. Like, oh, these people actually love me. Like, yes, I've made mistakes, but they have forgiven me. Mm-hmm. And when they speak of me, they speak of who I am in Christ, not who I have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely don't want to be known for my past. Mm-hmm. I have a past, and I want to be known for what Christ has changed in my past. Right. But, and then, so knowing that, so it says to treat others as you would like to be treated. Right. So I'm going to, you know, how do I talk about people? Um, last two things in uh, Colossians four twelve, it says always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. And this is speaking of Epaphras. He was always struggling on their behalf in his prayers. He bore their burdens in his prayers. He fought for them in his prayers he like that word struggling. That's a serious word. Like not like can't get the lid off the jar kind of struggling. that's like struggling. I would imagine I, the, the first thing I thought of was when Jesus yeah. was praying in the garden, you know, over about what he was about to do mm-hmm. on the cross. I got, he's, I imagine he's sitting, he's on his knees, you know, weeping and praying that they would stand strong, that mm-hmm. they wouldn't be deceived, that they wouldn't give into temptation, that they would be used, that they wouldn't have fears, that they would, you know, believe the truth and remain in it and run the race and like having these prayers for his brothers and sisters that, you know, in this church that he was, had the blessing of, you know, starting. Yeah. And it it reminds me of like a spiritual warrior, like a spiritual warrior, a man who's going before the Lord for others Mm. in prayer, like just aching in his heart for them to be faithful yeah. And to serve and to love and to know God. And to stand strong yeah. and to, you know, and again, the encouragement is 
we should be doing that, you know, praying more, praying for others, for others. Yeah. Um, Philemon 123, this is one of the other references, says Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, sending greetings to you. Uh, So he did all these things through persecution and imprisonment. Mm -hmm. So like his faithfulness was even to like chains, (laughs) you know, sitting next to Paul. And so I just think, you know, do we have that kind of uh, uh, resolve in our heart to love the body of Christ to that level? To, to be a uh, faithful servant to that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to be more like Epaphras. He's, he's pretty awesome. And the fact that he's only spoken a very little, but how much was spoken about him in those few sentences is more than the many words that may be spoken about any of us in our lifetime. Right. Yeah. I love so. that. I actually, I love that. You know, it makes me think of, um, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about our testimonies mm-hmm. and Aaron, you shared this conversation you were having with God in your car of how, you know, what's going to be said at my funeral type thing. Like, who's going to be there? Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking like this, this, uh, this story, this testimony of this man, um, is it, it reminds me of that same kind of conversation that you're having with God. It's like, this is what you want. Yeah, if if at my funeral all the people said was, man, he loved, he preached the gospel, and he <laughs> prayed for people, and he served Christ and others. <laughs> like, that, that's what we want to be yeah. said about us. And that's what this guy got. That's so awesome. cool. Jennifer, why don't you go to the next person? Okay, so the next one, um, this one is one of those ones where it stands out to you, but you kind of just slide right past it. Um, and it's in Exodus 18, 13 through 27. Um, but it's Jethro uh, Moses's father-in-law and uh, it's about his mm. wise advice. And so, um, I'm just going to go ahead and read the scripture for you guys. It says the next day, Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses's father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a dispute. They come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses and any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went away to his own country. So 
I know that was a lot, a big chunk of verses, but this is just to get the idea of the picture mm-hmm. of what we're talking about. So, um, so how many people are we talking about here that Moses was over? Over a million, easily. I, I don't mean, know exactly, but that's okay. A lot. So I I pulled this scripture from Exodus twelve thirty seven. It says, "And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about six hundred thousand men on foot, besides women and children." So if if there's Equal amount of women, that's 1.2 million. Okay, well over a million people. Who knows how many children? (laughs) We're talking about a lot of people and one man, Moses, to decide between all of their matters. So from morning till evening, he's just a Mm -hmm. busy guy. And the first, when you read that, the first thing I I thought of was when God said, It is not good that man should be alone. (laughs) Right? And he was talking about a woman, but Moses is literally sitting here trying to judge all these people by himself. First of all, this man ain't going to get nothing done in his life. <laughs> well, he pro- right? <laughs> he's not even going to get through all the disputes because there's just too many of them, yeah. right? So in steps the father-in-law, which first of all, I just love their relationship. I think that, you know, since we're a you know, marriage podcast and we, we have to deal with in-laws, I think this is a good, you know, beginning point that we should just be encouraged to have a good relationship with mm. our in-laws. And our parents, um, and, uh, and to willing, the best that we can, and be willing to hear sound advice. Yeah, because like they, not all in laws are going to give sound advice. Okay, sure, <laughs> but some might. Yeah, and we we shouldn't just have walls up. We should yeah. be like, hey, I'm going to get sound godly wisdom when wherever I can get it. <laughs> okay, so so Moses is in this, and uh, his father in law speaks to him about how what you're doing is not good. You need to change this radically. Um, so again, this is a, a set of scriptures that can easily be read through or even really overlooked. But what what does Jethro bring out in this, Aaron? Well, that we what can... I see is he says, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? So first of all, Moses is like the leader, right? And all of the people are coming to him mm-hmm. and Jethro's not coming out of a place of pride or like, I'm going to be better than you or anything like that. He's coming out of a place of actually deep concern, not just for Moses, but for all the people. Yeah. Because what he's saying is, is like, hey, this is not a good thing. Yeah. He even says it. He's like, this what you're doing is not good. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so he's has the boldness to go to the leader of these people, all of these people, right? And be strong with him. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it doesn't, we can't tell the tone. We can kind of, con, you know, infer the tone. But I like, mean, he sounds confident. He sounds like, hey, what you're doing is this is chaos. This mm-hmm. is craziness. You're not going to be able to bear this. So he's going to him firmly and saying, no, no, no. Do exactly as I say and things will be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, so he has a boldness about himself. Um, but it's not a cockiness. It's not an arrogance. It's an actual concern. And mm-hmm. that that love for his for his son-in-law and for his people causes him to stand boldly and speak truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we can learn. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be times that we need to go in love and be bold and say, what I'm seeing is not good. And I I'm telling you this for your sake and for everyone else's sake. Right. And so he's doing it. He could have sat back and be like, well, you know, it's not my place or, you know, what are all the people going to say? Or what if I make hurt his feelings because he thinks he's doing it right? Or, no, he's like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. You, this is not going to work. This isn't good for you. This is going to destroy you. And then, then what? Then where are we going to be? Yeah. If you're just gone out of the picture. Yeah. So really, he's saying, Moses, we need you. 
but we need way. you, yeah, to do this a better way. And uh, and his way is actually implemented in government, business, a lot of places because this, yeah, this, it's this wise. Is used everywhere. <laughs> so we want to point out the fact that Jethro's wise, and uh, you know that's something to be inspired by. That mm-hmm. we should be wise people. And he was. This this comes from a a place of like, um, would you say ingenuity? Like he had a plan. He he yeah. He had this had thing laid out. And, and understanding of people yeah. and organization. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's another thing we can think of is there's going to be times that even if like we're walking with the Lord and we're trying to obey him and do what he's called us to do and we're trying to do all the right things, we may not be seeing something mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. Moses wasn't. He's tr- he's a, He couldn't see it because he has a million people trying to talk to him. All the time. <laughs> right? And he's trying to obey God. He's trying to teach them the laws. He's trying to do everything that God's asked him to do. So there's going to be times that someone else is going to have eyes yeah. on us. Someone Which else is a is good gonna, thing. Well, we, if we receive it. Yeah. Right? We could push it. We can be arrogant and say, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. You don't know. God, you know, I'm I'm the leader. We, could put, we can do that. But there's going to be other people that... God's using to get his will across, to mm-hmm. get his purposes across. To So Jethro's being used this way. He's going boldly to his son-in-law, the leader of all these people, and saying, you got to stop and you got to listen. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is going to destroy you and the people. Yeah. Right? That's essentially what he said. And I just think that's awesome that he was willing to do that. And like you said, wisdom, like, yeah, it's pretty smart what he said. Yeah. Um, I also think he's a detail-oriented kind of guy, even though there's not a whole lot of detail here. He does give very specific detail in that he didn't just say, Moses, go pick out a hundred men and put them over the people. He was specific in that he said, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, men who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Um, and so he was looking for specifics because he knew what it would require. So he he gave qualifications for yeah. it, um, which is another awesome thing that Jethro did. So... It went from a, a a brand new nation having a single leader to now a nation having hundreds mm-hmm. of capable leaders leading. And so it, this is the, the, the method of multiplication. Mm-hmm. It's not addition. It's not like Moses had one or two people. Mm-hmm. He multiplied. And so Jethro is essentially saying, find men that can do what you do mm-hmm. and put them over people. And then they will come to you. Mm-hmm. So instead of, it's a, a representative democracy, essentially. Yeah. Not a democracy, yeah. but it's a representative, like they have representatives. These thousands have this one man who can now go and speak. Yeah. Like, hey, there's this hard thing. Don't worry. I'll take this to Moses. I'll figure it out. And then he comes back and he delegates, figures it out. Yeah. And so now you, you just took a nation of with one leader who hears from God and made it thousands of leaders who hear from God. Mm-hmm. And who are listening to the word of God and are teaching the word of God and are solving civil matters. And mm-hmm. so now you have a much more f- well-functioning, mm-hmm. you know, nation. Yeah. So another thing that I love about the, this, uh, specifically these details, is that um, it requires something of Moses. So in order for him to go search out these trustworthy, able men... Moses has to have eyes to see them. He has to have a heart that understands. He has to go pursue that, right? To get these men and to know them in a way Mm -hmm. that he can appoint them. Um, And so I feel like in Jethro's uh, encouragement and kind of, what is it, a command? Or 
would you call it a command? He was pretty He says, forceful. obey me. Um, <laughs> he says, listen to my words and do it. <laughs> so in his wise, we'll say advice. In his wise advice, um, he's actually encouraging Moses to build up his relationship with other men and to see them in what they're able to do. And I think mm-hmm. that that's something that we can be encouraged by, that we are encouraging others to see the good in others, that we encourage um, or that we ha- ourselves have eyes and hearts that see good in others. Um, and see gifts in others and encourage people to use them. Right. Yeah. Well, and it also goes to a a place of humbleness and realizing that we can't do everything ourselves Mm -hmm. and we need help. It says in the verse 23, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure Mm. and all this people also will go into their place in peace. So Jethro really had a heart for Moses enduring the people having peace Mm -hmm. and, so, so think about this. Any organization that has one man running the whole show, mm-hmm. how fragile is that organization? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this is a, a mo- this model that Jethro gives is to encourage longevity. Yeah, he's the word endure. Mm-hmm. So Moses eventually goes out of the picture, right? And then we have Joshua that steps mm-hmm. into his place and is even a more able leader who what was under uh, Moses and think about all of the men they were able to lead and able to grow and that, that that nation didn't just crumble when Moses disappeared yeah off the picture so it gave it gave the ability for it to be it's a it's a replicatable method mm-hmm. instead of just like oh I, I have all the answers I'm the one person and once I'm gone good luck. Mm-hmm. No, it's like, Hey, let's pass on Jethro's essentially saying, pass on your wisdom, your knowledge, your abilities so that others can do what you do. Multiply yourself. And so Jethro encouraged this, him to multiply himself. I, I, that's amazing. That's really cool. So, um, just to, to bring it kind of back to marriage, Aaron, is there any, is there anything that what we're saying about Jethro, something that we as a husband or a wife yeah. can um, oh, applied really? to our marriage? Well, if, uh, first of all, that we, we, we believe that the Bible calls the men to be the husbands, to be spiritual leaders in the mm-hmm. home. But we see this is a good spiritual leader. One who takes on 100% of the responsibility of everything and does everything by themselves and doesn't give any responsibility to his wife or to his children or to mm. right. Or is this good spiritual leader, someone who lays down their life and says, I'm going to raise up. Mm-hmm. leaders and knows how to delegate and realizes that they have a partner and a team and it's not just them, right? I want my family to succeed. Mm-hmm. I want my family to win. I want my wife to feel able and capable and strong and empowered and not, you know, useless. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, if I'm leading that way and making her feel useless, I'm not leading well. Mm-hmm. But if I'm reminding my wife of her natural and God given gifts, mm-hmm. and if I'm saying, Hey, this is where God has you uh, make has given you strengths. Let's use those strengths. How can we increase those strengths? How can we best utilize them in our home? Mm-hmm. So now that that's what we're that's seeing cool. happening is we are um, seeing the same advice that Jethro gave to Moses could be, be played out right in our own marriages. That's like, cool. hey, how are we allowing God's giftings in our home to be used? And are e- we efficiently, efficiently, and and for the benefit of everyone for, for, for peace, peace and endurance. <laughs> I love that. So like we, so we can endure, not just putting the whole responsibility of something on my wife or yeah. not just putting the whole responsibility of something on myself 
um, or even on my children, mm-hmm. but realizing like, hey, we're a, we're a team. We have gifts. We have talents. We have responsibilities. How can we operate in those well? How can we help each other in those responsibilities? That's good. Um, yeah, I thought that was a that was a good question, Jennifer. Cool. Okay, so we have two more. Um, the next one's brief, but so so good and important to um, tune into. And uh, it's found in Second Timothy one uh, one through seven. Um, and this is the legacy of Timothy's mother and grandmother. So 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7, is this Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay, I really like this. Yeah, testimony well, well it ends really good with this you know we the spirit that god's given us i yeah. mean he gave it to timothy not of uh you know not a spirit of fear but of power and love and self-control which is awesome yeah and this is the same that's the same thing that he saw in grandmother lois and eunice yeah so the faith that's in timothy he knew he knows it didn't start in timothy uh, so his grandmother and his mother both had this faith in Jesus. So we don't know if it was from, you know, when he was a child, because we don't know how old it's grandmother, mother. So they might've been new to the faith as well. Yeah. We don't know how long their testimony of life was going for, but they had a faith Mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ and taught it to their son, Timothy and grandson, Timothy, and showed it and exemplified it to it. And so they're named here for a reason. I talked about this in the beginning. Why are they named? Because God wants to give recognition to these women who, were faithful and showed their faith and taught their faith to Timothy who became a man who planted churches and raised up leaders and was an example. And we have two letters written to him for the churches that he was planting and working in. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that, so they have a legacy in the word of God. They're named here, but the work that they did in their life is displayed in their grandson and son, Timothy, which how powerful, like the work that Timothy did, so that legacy that you you just mentioned is continuing mm-hmm. <laughs> even still. Yeah. And so for us as parents, for you listening, if you have children or thinking about or getting ready to have children, especially you moms, listen yeah, up. <laughs> th- this is a powerful thing that we get to display and walk in and, and hand to our children. Mm-hmm. We can't save our children. That's not our responsibility, but we can show them mm-hmm. and exemplify them and teach them right? Of mm-hmm. the faith that dwells in us. It says that first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, right? So it, the legacy that you can build with your children might be infinitely more powerful than the one that you have yourself, mm. right? So even though we just hear, we don't know what else they did, but if all they did was be faithful and, t- and show their son and grandson who Christ was and taught him that, boom, 
Like yeah. this, that was an, that we have but an incredible story of Timothy, right? That's awesome. But here's the thing. If they're walking out a sincere faith and they did impact Timothy, chances are they, impact they impacted a lot of other people too, yeah. even if they were neighbors or other family members. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. So they're, they're named here. God, God found it um, important to make them known to the world. And I think that's awesome. All right, we're going to move on to the last one. Um, and uh, this one's about the Ethiopian eunuch uh, mm-hmm. that's mentioned in Acts. And I really love this story. Um, I'm going to have Aaron read the, the mm-hmm. scripture, but this is one of those interesting, in. interesting stories. Uh, it's kind of like a, a blip in Acts, but it's powerful. Acts 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the city or go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah and the spirit and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. We can describe Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariots to stop, and they both went down in the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I love that. Philip's just on fire, couldn't couldn't he's, be stopped. He's kind of being like swept around by the Spirit of God. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Whiplashed. Uh, okay, so I just love this, and I kind of wanted to start again from the beginning and just show who this character is. Yeah, he's a, an Ethiopian eunuch. He's a servant in the house of Candace. Yeah, so right away we know that he's responsible. He's this responsible guy who um, is trustworthy, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, looking over the, the in charge of all the treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also know that he had come, come to Jerusalem to worship. And he didn't just worship, but as he was returning, seated in his chariot, he He's was reading. reading the scriptures. And so you get this picture of a faithful man, someone who is reading the word of God and, and worshiping him. So it's, it's like he's, he's, he's searching for God and he's worshiping, but he doesn't know this God. And guess what? God sent Philip to show him who he was. So we see that he had uh, come to Jerusalem to worship. And not only that, but as he was returning, he was sitting in his chariot reading the word of God. He was reading from the scrolls. Yeah. So you get this picture of, of a, of a man who's searching to know God, right? Mm -hmm. He's got this desire to know him. And it wasn't like he was just in, you know, up in his room studying the scripture. He was like, this is like a random time of the day where he's sitting in his chariot 
traveling, mm-hmm. right? And he's he's got. Like, how often do you just you're on your way to Target and you just have your Bible open on your seat? Your scrolls. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like he he desired, he had this desire to know God. Right. Well, I I think of that verse that it says, "He who knocks, the door will be opened." Mm. Right. And and he's he was knocking. He's like I I he had a genuine desire to know God. I mean, even coming to Jerusalem, even coming to worship and, and having the scrolls means he's, he's wanting it. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't know exactly. I mean, he has all these questions. He's like, what is this talking about? Who is this person? Right. Mm-hmm. And praise God that he, he loves to go to those who are seeking mm-hmm. and he, and he, you know, so he can be found. Well, and I love that in the midst of this man seeking after him, he sends him Philip, like what a, <laughs> beautiful picture of like people, you know, mentioned divine appointment. It's like this thing that happened that, you know, it's definitely God. Um, that's just a side note, but I just love that God's heart for us is like, well, he is faithful. Mm -hmm. Um, so you get this picture of a responsible, trustworthy, um, desiring to seeking, desiring to know the word, know the Lord. Yeah. This guy who is just, just, I mean, he's humble too. Right. So if you go up, let, let me see, it says, um, in verse 31, after he already meets Philip and he says, Philip asks him, do you, do you understand what you are reading? He responds with, how can I, unless someone guides me? So there's this yeah. softness of heart of like, I want to understand, but I need help. Well, and imagine this, he, like he's in charge of all his treasure. He's, he's probably affluent. Like I know he's a servant, but he's, he's on his own trip. Mm-hmm. So he's somebody of importance, mm-hmm. at least in this, you know, to Candace, right? Yeah. And Philip, who knows what he looks like? I have no idea. Walking beside the chair, this you know chariot, he's like, he's like, hey, do you know what you're reading? Do you get that? <laughs> like, I would imagine, like, if he was arrogant, he'd have been like, get out of here. Yeah. Like, what? You don't know what you're talking about, or like, don't tell me what. I, no, but instead, he's like, I don't know. So he's humble. Yeah, he's and he's also. It, it sounds like he's he's deeply moved moved by what he's reading. Yeah. And so the fact that someone's calling out to him, he's like, yes, I'm, what? Tell me. I'm ready for it. What is it? So, so there's something here and I don't know what it is. Yep. And then if you continue right on to uh, in 31, it says, and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So again, mm-hmm. talking about humility, but also there's this sense of um, he, he's welcoming Philip and he's inviting he's Philip. He's welcoming he's, the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And to be able to receive that, like your heart has to be in a... Um, just in a, a softened place to be able to receive in that way, but also to receive another person who's actually, in this case, a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. And how often do we in our lives welcome these types of moments, these these appointments that God has for us, or do we push them away? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure it happens. Well, just think about in our own lives when we, we're, we're going through something, right? Like we may be believers already, so this is this is about a man coming to know Christ. But we don't understand something like, why is this happening? Or I'm trying to make a decision in my Mm -hmm. life or, uh, just, you know, fill in the blank about, uh, something that you are confused about. Mm -hmm. And a Christian brother or sister comes to you and says, Hey, can I, you know, share how I I would deal with that? No, no, no. I'll figure it out. Thanks. Hold on. What if it comes through a text like, Hey, you want to grab coffee? How are you responding? Are you welcoming? Are you going to sit with them? Or are you going to say, all's good. Or I'm busy. busy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it happens, you guys. We know this. Yeah, so we can have the same posture of oh, saying, posture's a good hey, word. I'm in need of oh. answers. Answers, yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah, guidance yeah. says, unless someone guides me. So I also would say that he's teachable. 
because mm-hmm. he is asking, you know, for someone to guide him. So he's willing to receive in that way. And um, I like that word teachable. And I think it's one that we've used for a long time, Aaron. And just um, are we teachable people? Are we, are we going to learn from each other? Mm-hmm. Do I allow you to speak into my life? And can I speak into yours in encouragement, inspiration, knowledge, wisdom? And are we going to receive from each other? Are we going to be teachable in that way? We tell our kids that you got to be teachable. <laughs> well, know. and not being teachable is a, is a form of pride, meaning, yeah. no, I actually already have all the answers, which is ridiculous because yeah. no one has all the answers yeah. to anything, <laughs> let alone the the depths of the word of God. Yeah. Um, now we may have some, we may have a lot, but no one has all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we should all be teachable. Um, and we should be teachable by the lowliest of people yeah. or by the most affluent people mm-hmm. that we know. We should be able to be, to receive. We should never see ourselves as in a position above or below mm-hmm. someone where like, Oh, that I'm not going to let that person teach me anything. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, who knows what Philip looked like, but it, it's not like he came in with this title or anything. He was just a man. Wasn't he a fisherman? Like, I don't know. What was it like occupation? It's not like he, he wasn't rich. But but this eunuch, he did have an official title. He yeah. he worked for Candace, the queen. And so he was, um, important. He was important. And and not just that, but physically, one was in a chariot, which was lifted off the he ground. Was up high, yeah. And the other one was not. And then he invited him up. And so when we have a teachable heart, no matter what position, title, or anything we have, when we're humble and we're teachable, we're going to lift each other up in mm-hmm. inviting that knowledge, truth, wisdom yeah. in, which I love. And God does use everyone to Amen, do that, Jennifer. anyone to do Amen. that. <laughs> okay, so what do you think about these set of scriptures that this guy was reading? Well, he's clearly reading about, I mean, this is prophetic scriptures about the Christ, right? Which is amazing because he, it, was, it was perfect timing. I mean. It's almost like someone organized it. <laughs> uh, and he's reading the scripture and then... God sends Philip by the Holy Spirit to answer the question, who's it talking about? Jesus. <laughs> and he explains to him, he opens up it, what Philip said. It says Philip opened his mouth, mm-hmm. which is, I think is an awesome thing because there's times that we should open our mouths and we keep them closed, you know, like, Oh, I had this opportunity to share. I think sometimes we get caught up in our minds. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to say, I but know. if we just go to open our mouths, the Lord's faithful. Um, what I love about verse 35 is, if you keep reading, it says, he told them the good news about Jesus. The gospel. I just love that verse. It's just so powerful and simple. Um, but that Philip had the opportunity to just share yeah. the good news about who Jesus is. I, I love um, about Philip, uh, not about Philip, uh, about... Uh, the eunuch. The eunuch. Yeah, it doesn't give us his name. Nope. Oh, that's okay, <laughs> though, because there's still a lot said about this man. Yeah. Um, he, so Philip preaches to him the gospel. And guess what he does? He doesn't say, huh, let me uh, think about that. That's pretty interesting. Uh, I might have to verify some of that stuff. You know, like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, let me see if there's another better way. No, he says, he says, see here, <laughs> water. <laughs> what prevents me from being baptized? <laughs> right? He's literally sitting in his chariot, probably in his nice clothes, because he's on an official trip or, you know, to worship. And I'm sure he has someone driving the chariot. He's probably got other people with him. He's probably got other servants. He's probably got, all... and he's he like, didn't care. he's like, <laughs> pull this thing over. I'm, there's a, there's a puddle of water over there. Baptize me. So I like, love what's going to stop me? 
<laughs> what I um, noted, what I wanted to share about that verse was his, he's enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. He's like ready. Well, and not waiting. And I, to be honest, I want to give it a little encouragement. If you're listening and you're a new believer or you've been a believer a long time, you've never been baptized, think about this heart mm. that this eunuch has. He was quick to respond. He heard the gospel and said, I don't want to wait. I'm not going to get back home and then go take a bath and call that a baptism. I'm not going to wait until it's warmer out. I'm not going to wait until no one's watching or that I got like, you know, the right clothes on baptize me mm. because I want to identify with that man, mm. Jesus. How that's beautiful. what he's, that's what he's saying. And so I just want to encourage you, like go get baptized, <laughs> like go identify with the, with your savior yeah. in his death and resurrection. That's mm-hmm. what a baptism baptism is. So that, that enthusiasm when he received with enthusiasm, right? And he's like, he's like, there's water. What's stopping me? I love it. Okay. So, um, so after, uh, they go down to the water, he gets baptized. They come up out of the water and the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. This is verse 39. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. So now we have a joyful man. And I love that. I think it's a characteristic that we can all have, and especially those of us who do believe in God and and in Christ and have been baptized and have mm-hmm. this relationship, this ongoing relationship with the Lord and abiding in Him, we can go on our way rejoicing. And He didn't need Philip mm. to remain because guess what He had? The Holy Spirit. He actually had the Lord. So not not that we don't need each other. What I'm getting at is sometimes we have uh, um, surrogate faith. Our faith is as strong as those we're around or when I'm with so-and-so and, oh, I haven't been around them for a long time and therefore I'm kind of like backsliding. Or, But the Ethiopian eunuch, he went on his way rejoicing because he now has the Spirit of God. He he believed it. Mm-hmm. It was his. There was a multiplication. We just talked about this. Yeah. With Moses. <laughs> so like Philip came, boom, new believer. Now there's two. Yeah. And now guess what so that eunuch... So it says that Philip went on his way and was preaching somewhere else, but... It doesn't actually say what the eunuch no, was doing. But what do you oh, think happened? Oh, yeah. I know what happened. <laughs> he went back to Ethiopia <laughs> and he preached. Yeah. We don't know this for sure. But what we do know is every time people were touched by God, what did they do? They opened their mouths. Mm-hmm. Right? Every single time. He for sure went home and told his family. A minimum. And right? if he didn't tell them, they were asking questions because He'd a man doesn't just come back changed and, and rejoicing in that way and nobody noticed. Yeah. So. We don't know if he had a family. But okay. People, yeah, whoever, he, is he, but him. he, Candace, Candace. Hey, who knows? What if Candace, like yeah. he, he, he was her, he was her eunuch, yeah, <laughs> preaching the gospel that he just learned. I think that's awesome. So we learn about this man. Doesn't even give his name, but what we know about him is humbled himself, wanted, sought after, received, went away joyful, yeah. was enthusiastic about just like baptize me now. Like I want this, what you just told me. That's what I want. Mm. So man, the, all these, these are, there's so many stories like this in the Bible. <laughs> we should do a whole nother episode like this. Just it's fun. all of the little, <laughs> little characters in the Bible that we, there's, there's just so much to glean from the Bible, yeah. you guys. And we wanted to bring this to you today as an encouragement and a bit of inspiration for you to look at God's word and ask him to reveal to you what you need to learn and what you can glean from. At minimum, open the Bible, read it, and talk about it with your spouse. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, we, we kind of got so deep into some of these th- thoughts, but, like, this is because we talked about them. Yeah. 
Like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? So don't overthink it. Don't don't think to yourself like, well, we don't know certain things. No, just open the Bible. Mm-hmm. Love the Word of God. Read it. And then talk about it. Say, I found this thing. This is interesting. What do you think? What do you think it means? Like, dig into it. Uh, as usual, uh, we pray at the end. So, Jennifer, would you pray for us? Dear Lord, thank you for your holy word that teaches us and inspires us in our maturity. We thank you for even the smallest of testimonies that have an impact on how we live our lives. We thank you for the details written about in your word that we can glean from, that we can discuss and talk about, that we can be inspired by. We pray we would continue to understand your word as we abide in you. May we grow in our character and may we grow closer to you. May your will be done in our lives and in our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. We love you all. Praying for you all. We pray you have a blessed week and we'll see you next time. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Also, if you're interested, you can find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.